so welcome to the Neil and Robbie podcast and uh, today we are going to be talking about Rwanda and the race around Rwanda and firstly Neil how are you? I'm really good mate really really good I've had a great day of riding. Perfect perfect hopefully what you've done like 500k today or? No no short ride uh, but lots of climbing. Oh, okay. okay no worries and we're joined by two really cool people today Matt. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> you good? Yeah, and Simon. I'm here. <laughs> Hi. So, firstly, guys, like Neil, as actually, this is kind of Neil took a massive risk today and said, "I'm going to kind of leave you to to run this this podcast episode." So, um, I was going to keep it really simple, and let's start by telling us a little bit about yourselves. Do we need to start with who these people are that we invited onto our podcast? Uh, well, I was going to. I thought they could tell us about themselves and then we could go into why we've invited them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, this is why we never leave Robbie in charge. Yeah, this is, this is why. Cool. No, I agree. So, uh, yeah, more importantly, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, guys, and why you're here. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Matt and uh, originally from the UK. And over the last, well, the last two years, I've been living in Rwanda. And during that time, we've, uh, the reason sort of, we're here, I suppose, is uh, because we've come up with an idea of a, a race and um, the race around Rwanda was born. But yeah, I've been here for two two years and had a bit of a mixed background traveling around the world, doing a few different uh, things professionally and in my pastime. And uh, yeah, I've been living here for the last two years and thoroughly enjoy it. Nice, nice. And what about you, Simon? Yeah, so I'm I've been living here for a bit longer than Matt. We met two years ago. I am Belgian originally, moved here in 2017. I've been cycling all my life, but I'm quite new actually to ultra cycling. My first race was last year, Oman. Yeah. Oman, the year before, was was both your first races, right? So it's new for me, but actually just after doing Oman uh, last year, I texted Matt saying, we should organize something like this in Rwanda. Nice, nice. And then the race around Rwanda was born. Yeah. Cool. So to you, you both obviously sound like you're really into your cycling and have been. So just to kind of get the listeners kind of up to scratch on it, tell us, tell us about a few things you've, you've each done in the past, like some of your, what you'd see as kind of some, you know, big rides for yourselves. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, go first again. I think Simon will beat me on the uh, endurance racing in terms of the cycling side of things. Uh, I actually came from a background of sort of just endurance activities. I was uh, through my past work. I sort of did a, a lot, a lot of endurance stuff, mostly running, swimming, and culminated in swimming the English Channel as well. Wow. So background background in endurance sports has always been a big thing. And I think my one of my well, probably my proudest. Cycling is the fact that I didn't have a car until I was 24 or a driving license till I was 24. So I just cycled everywhere. And so, so, so for me, it's been sort of, uh, yeah, it's been commuting. It's been the only way I've got to work. Um, I've done, yeah, Ironman, half Ironman. So I've done the, the riding through there. But definitely the last couple of years, since being in Rwanda, um, the, the sort of longer distance uh, ultra cycling, um, getting to know Simon, has uh, sort of become something a, a lot more important and it's something I really, really have learned to enjoy. So, yeah, the cycling side has come later, but endurance sports has always been something I've been passionate about. Now, all my now life. did you 
Did you um, did you go to Rwanda when you moved to Rwanda? Because you say you've only been there for a couple of years. Did you know that cycling was big when you moved there? Or was it kind of something that you discovered when you arrived? That's, that's a good question. It might be different for Simon and me. For me, I kind of, I'd never been to Rwanda before and came here with a bit of work uh, with a charity I was working for. And uh, I just got in touch with someone who'd been here before and they put me in touch with a swimmer and a cyclist and um, linked me in on the WhatsApp and all that good stuff and got talking. And the cyclist was just so enthusiastic that I was like, wow, okay, there's mountain biking, there's loads and loads of gravel, there's off-road, there's on-road, there's, there's so many different things that we could do. Um, and that just got my yeah juices flowing. So by the time I landed, I was sort of ready to go. And shortly after that, I've ended up with three or two extra bikes. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something I didn't really realise how big it was until I got here. And then that's really sort of born a, a new passion for it. Yeah, so maybe from my side, um, I think it was almost the opposite as Matt in that endurance sports is quite new for me, but I've been cycling all my life. Um, never competitively though, but just riding a bicycle, doing sportive Sunday rides, uh, social rides, I've always done. Like holidays with the family was always with a bicycle. So it was an obvious choice getting here to, to bring a bicycle with me. That was three years ago, coming here with one bicycle. I think every year I added one bicycle to my stock here. So now I'm at number four, I believe. Um, so yeah, because Rwanda really is... Uh, there's a great group of passionate cyclists around here. Um, both professionally as just socially. Uh, so it's a very inviting place to cycling, to cycle. Cool. So... Um... So that's it's good to hear. It's interesting, like Matt, what you you said back then about coming from different kind of like endurance backgrounds. Because I was saying to Neil at the start of the year that I really want to get into some endurance running eventually. Actually, so I might actually pick your brain on that at some point in the future, if that would be okay with you. I've added. I've a told few... him it's a bad idea. <laughs> R- running's bad for you. It is, but it's it's badass. We'll we'll say it's badass. How does that sound? Good. <laughs> um, now apparently the the ultra running is in Rwanda is really really cool as well. I've got a, a a friend of mine here in Dubai. He he went on a trip where like three of them ran across the country, and it just it sounded amazing. Yeah, it does sound amazing. I know there are running groups here. My knees, as I said, one of the reasons I've gone into cycling a bit more full on the last few years is because my knees played up probably from all of the endurance running I did so watch out there yeah there's a previous previous life for me uh so yeah cycling full on but I know there are a lot of keen uh running groups here um that go out and do hashing and then also do longer stuff cool so guys the most important question that we've got to ask you today what's your favorite bikes as I said like I, I bought a new one every year uh, since three years ago I think I got uh, Matt into I tried to get Matt into gravel cycling a bit more because yeah, just it's simple. It's versatile. You go fast on the road and you go crazy on the gravel. So it's really cool. I, I, I like gravel. My bikes, I suppose, I've always had a for the stuff I did in the past with Ironman things was uh, I had a Cube Racer, which was awesome, and that was my commuter. That was my sort of pride and joy because I just had the one bike. But since being here, I actually first got introduced to um, mountain bikes. I bought a um a sort of 29er and going out doing a bit of cross country a little bit of downhilling uh canyon and that was just fantastic but the newest edition i've got to say the newest edition having come back from doing the recce with simon uh, we were both on some ridleys and that 
that was just my first proper proper experience on a, a really nice uh, gravel bike and that was yeah that was fantastic covering the distance getting some good speed up and also uh, being comfortable in the process so yeah all three are, are really nice but the most recent experience has been very special with with you guys and obviously it's you both live in Rwanda anyway I'm correct in saying that yeah mm-hmm. um what well, one thing that I have to ask is that you know, obviously, I'm going to ask you why Rwanda. Obviously, it's because you live there, you're passionate about being there. But from someone like me that knows very little about Rwanda, what would you say the best things about it? Why Why should people come and cycle there? So apart from the community that you've mentioned before, what's, what are the best things about Rwanda? Maybe for someone not knowing Rwanda, let me just describe the country. In the, it's a small country, size of Belgium, Eastern Africa, Nicknamed the land of a thousand hills because it's extremely hilly. Literally, if I want to like practice time trial training, I go to a closed down roundabout in town and ride circles around the roundabout because the roads are all hilly, every single one of them. It, I've never really looked that much into it. And it's, it's interesting talking to because when Neil said, oh, I'm going to do race around Rwanda, I was like, okay. And I'm, I'm looking at the profile and thinking, Jesus, that looks a lot tougher than you'd think and it really kind of threw me off so let's talk a little bit more about the route so tell me how long the race is and let's talk elevation yeah i think total elevation gain well originally we said seventeen thousand meters it's gonna end up a little bit less with sixteen thousand five hundred so basically flat (laughs) so very hilly then and yeah how long a bit is it how many k about nine hundred thousand k yeah, give or take, what? give or take 10%. 900,000, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see you in like three years, Neil. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be back when I'm 60. 950k. Nice, nice. So 950k, 16,000 metres of elevation. How does that make you feel, Neil? Oh, I, I, to be honest, that makes me feel good because I was thinking it was 980k and 17,500 metres of climbing. So I that's, you know, 30k less and 1500 meters of climbing less so brilliant. that makes that, that's brilliant it, it feels a lot easier now already yeah and um tell me so have you got with the race being quite a new thing obviously the R- rwanda if if you don't mind me saying is it's obviously in from what i've heard and from what you can see on google and stuff like that it's had a bit of a you know let's say an interesting history what what do you do you think that's how do you think people are going to feel about that with the race and that kind of thing? How does it affect your day to day stuff when you mention to people, "Oh, I live in Rwanda"? What what what's people's thoughts on that? I think, yeah, with with a lot of places around the world, I think Rwanda is no different in terms of people will quite often memorise or it will be really apparent in their minds a big thing that's happened in the past. And obviously, Rwanda uh, with the genocide that happens uh, twenty five years ago. That was a big thing, and it sticks in the mind of a lot of people, and honestly does. But unfortunately, that's kind of taints people's judgment, and it affects people's judgment. Uh, so they're not looking at the country now, uh, potentially looking at the country 25, 30 years ago, and they're two completely different uh, places. Obviously, we weren't living here then, but we've heard from people who were living here. Um, yeah. and, so, and so the way the race has been treated by sort of the people we've engaged with, obviously local authorities, with businesses, with hotels, with, with lots of people we talk about the race. From a Rwandan perspective, it's been welcomed with open arms. 
So everyone has been so enthusiastic to get behind. Cycling here is more so than I'm from the UK, more so than the UK. If you go out on your bike here, you're probably going to be clapped. You're probably going to be people cheering you on. It's everyone is on bikes. There's it's in every village, every town, you will see bikes, whether it's bike taxi, whether it's people out with the national team training. Uh, It's just a kind of, it's in their culture to be on or near a bike. Um, and that's really apparent when you get the big race, the Tour de Rwanda, when it comes, it's, you have a million people lining the streets. So it's, 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 it's been welcomed, really, really welcomed with open arms here. It's interesting to hear your opinion on it, because I, I think the more and more I go to different places, the more I travel, and Neil is probably a bit different here because he's a bit more well-travelled than me, the more I find I dread coming back and cycling in the UK because I think the UK is overcrowded, it's not as safe. And when you go to these other countries, like, well, let's say similar to Rwanda, you're treated a lot better, people respect you a bit more, you get a bit more space on the road. So my first initial thoughts are if they're putting a race on here, it's going to be a safe place. And then it, you start to think, well, actually, there's probably a lot less cars there. There's probably, you know, it's actually probably a genuinely a, an absolutely brilliant place to cycle. It's just a bit shrouded by things that have happened in the past which aren't really anything you know any kind of threat anymore well as of probably 23 years ago you know it wasn't an issue if that makes sense I think for me there's generally anytime you talk about Africa people kind of look at you as if well why why do you want to go and ride your bike there why do you want to go and race your bike there so I think there's there's probably just some general uh, misunderstanding or misinterpretation of the region and and what you can expect you know, my, I, I, like you say, things get clouded by events that happened long in the past. And that was probably my first reaction when I thought about doing Rwanda. Like I, I know when you mentioned to me, Simon, when we met a man last year, you, you know, you were from Rwanda and, and then I found out about the race and that was my first response. But then I spoke to everybody I spoke to who had either done some research or had been to Rwanda recently said it's just one of the most incredible places and you have to go. People were just saying, you just got to go, Neil. So I kind of went, oh, okay. And then you start to do your research and, you know, as you say, it's, it's a very safe place for Africa. It's a very safe place in general. So I, I'm really excited about going to, to see what it has to offer. Um, now, I know I, like, I'm aware of how popular, you know, cycling is in Rwanda. Um, and I know they've put in a bid for the, is it the 2022 or they're putting in a bid for the 2022 World uh, Road Race Championships? 2025. The 2025 World Road Race Championships. Okay. So, but like ultra racing is a niche part of the sport wherever in the world you go. It doesn't matter, you know, in, even in the UK, ultra racing is a niche part of the sport. What's been the reaction of, I guess, other cyclists when you kind of said, guys, we've had a great idea. We're going to organize an ultra race around Rwanda. You know, what's been the reaction? Uh, what kind of support have you had from, from, I guess, yeah, from local cycling businesses, from the Federation? And, you know, how has that process of going from, like, Simon, racing your first ultra race a year ago to now running your first ultra race? Because that's, that's got to have been a big journey, right? Yeah, it's definitely been a challenge some times to explain the concept to people, especially like local authorities, when we give our whole briefing about the race and then we finish and the first question is, okay, so the second stage, where is it going to start? 
Like, no, no, no. It's one stage. People sleep wherever. Okay, and how about the team cars? No, there's no cars, so it, it's it's very different. Cycling is big here, but this kind is, is unseen for them, of course. As you say, as in most places. But once they get the ID, they're all... I mean, it's probably think we're crazy, but they're all so very excited and very enthusiastic. It sounds really exciting. I'll be, I'll be honest, I feel like I'm kicking myself a little bit because... When when Neil said, "Oh, I'm going to Rwanda," I was like, "Good for you, Neil. Um, cool." <laughs> you know, I didn't really consider it, but it's so a little bit more. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the race. Um, you mentioned earlier you like riding gravel, and from what I can gather from taking a lot, like looking at your website and stuff, I get the impression there's quite a bit of gravel on this race. So, road to gravel. What kind of percentage are we talking? Is is off road? So it's about 25% off-road, I have, I have to say. Uh, Matt and I, we did the whole thing last week, just the final test ride. I have to say 25% off-road kind of feels like 50%. Uh, when I look back, I, it's, it's like at least half of it was off-road. I checked again, it's 25%. Yeah, you feel it. There's some, uh, there's some good stretches in there, those uh, good gravel stretches that will, be, uh, that will be challenging at times, but also... In order to get some of the, the sort of best exposure to the country on the routes, um, Simon mainly uh, did the did the routing, and we rode a couple of different sections. But it really is the best way to see some of the most beautiful uh, views and uh, exposure to some of the best parts of the country. And and what is the gravel like? Because I think that's one of the questions that's been floating around in my head, and I'm sure. The people who are coming to race, that's kind of one of the questions that they've always, that they've been looking at. It's like, what's the gravel like? Because gravel can be anything from a, you know, stony, rocky kind of uh, track to mud to and all kinds of things in between. What, what can we expect when we hit that first gravel section on day one? Well, the first thing I'd say before handing over to Simon with a bit more uh, comparable stuff from other races, maybe he's done. I'd say is it's hugely weather dependent. Uh, Rwanda, you, one day to the next, um, you could have a light downpour, you could have clear blue skies, you could have heavy downpour um, rain-wise. And so that, before committing to, <laughs> to this, is, this is exactly what everyone is going to get for the race, um, it's important to know that the weather can change things quite easily. Uh, something that's very smooth can turn into a, a bit muddy um, just with a with a downpour, so that's the caveat before I hand over to Simon. Yeah, I think when I got the question, because indeed we got the question often, how's the gravel? I always replied with, well, we basically only take roads that are all, also shared with like thirty year old Toyota Corollas, but then these thirty year old cars they get everywhere here, so they're good enough for an old car, but these cars are sturdy, so it's not single track at all. Some of the gravel. It's better than some stretches of tarmac in Belgium, but then some is yeah more challenging. But I think it's I did it I did the racket ride uh, on thirty two millimeter slick, and that was fine. Were you uh, what was the weather like for your recce ride? Did you have uh, did you have good weather or did you have any any rain? We were quite lucky. It had rained for a full week before, uh, and I think we were like in the first dry week. It's supposed to be dry season. Today yeah. was an amazing day again. Um, but yeah, if it would have been rainy, it would have been slippery, for sure. Ah. Going into the last day, we had rain, or the last day we cycled. Had rain in the evening, rain in the morning, and then 40k after 
we broke onto the gravel and actually that was fine for the, I think it was a 60, 70 K stretch on gravel. And even that was actually not too bad, a little bit of mud, but not too bad. So it should be okay. I'm a, I'm a ever a, a positive person. So just reassuring everyone who's going to do it here. Yeah, it won't be single track and you won't require full suspension. That's, look, that's absolutely fine for me. And my worry about single track is I've got less distance to spot the snakes. So like big, wide, double track roads with lots of cars on to scare all the wildlife away. That's, that's absolutely fine with me. Can we talk about what the wildlife, because that is actually one of the questions that I wanted to ask. Tell me, you know, it's, it's such an interesting place and it is a little bit outside the normal. What kind of animals, especially snakes, is Neil to expect? So it might be a boring answer, but mainly goats and cows. Oh, OK. OK, that, that's cool. So, so I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be snuggling up to a gorilla to stay warm then. (laughs) If you do that, you've definitely taken some single track. Uh, (laughs) Well, so this is the thing I did. I, I, you know, the first thing you do when you go to these, go to one of these races is you look up the country on Wikipedia. And the second thing you do is you look up the, uh, uh, the, the fauna in the place, like, you know, what kind of wildlife am I going to expect? And, and I was greeted with gorillas and I'm like, okay, pretty sure i'm not going to be going near the gorillas so that should be all right hippos okay i better stay away from water and do, and do they do they not have like wild rhinoceros rhinoceroses in rwanda as well or have i got that wrong so the rwanda as, as simon said it's fairly small in comparison to the, the countries around it sort of most of the countries and it doesn't have as most people perceive africa like huge serengeti and plains off into the distance that's not the case for Rwanda, everywhere is a hill and it's quite densely populated in terms of people. Um, that said, the race route that we sort of chosen is going around quite a lot. So it ventures into the edges of all the national parks and actually through kind of one and a half national parks as well. And it, during that time, so when you're in general population, there's not going to be a huge amount of wildlife, loads of bird life, uh, but not a huge amount of big kind of game or anything like that. But when you're into the near the national parks, especially Nyungwe Forest, which is uh, in the south, then you you get exposure cycling through a national park, and it's a jungle. It's one of the oldest jungles in Africa, and you can see monkeys, baboons. Um, we saw deer, things like that, as you're cycling through. So that's a real treat. And maybe uh, to put Neil's mind at ease, I think in the three years I've lived here, I've seen exactly two snakes. Okay, were they big? I'm kind of looking here just <laughs> oh yeah so um, I'm just kind of honestly just looking at I've just googled snakes in Rwanda it's quite interesting Neil you should probably take a quick look at there's a good page there just to let you know what snakes are available for you I I've I've looked I've looked I've looked I don't want to look I don't want to see I know about the puff adders and the black mambas <laughs> It's all I'm having nightmares about <laughs> so at the moment. Next, next thing we need to ask is how many how many people you got signed up to the race, guys? Yeah, at the moment we've had a couple of late entries actually, which is uh, people just committing at the last minute. So I think we're on sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. That is twenty-three different countries and five different continents. That's really good for a first edition. Wow, that's um, well done, guys. That's really impressive for you for your first race. That's fantastic. How, I mean, has it been, how have you been getting the word out? How, how have you been attracting people to the race? I think a, 
through multiple uh, multiple ways actually uh, we haven't done sort of a massive advertising campaign because it originated from Simon suggesting doing it I was really bought into it and we just thought well this is going to be a beautiful place to show off to people uh, who wants to come without being thinking turning it into something really really huge um, but as soon as we put the word out on WhatsApp groups to our friends, to fellow cyclists and spread the word at the sort of local level, that quite quickly gathered a lot of interest. So that was sort of the first thing we did. And that sort of from there, it just picked up pace and other methods of sort of spreading the word kind of came about. I think the, the ultra cycling world is still a very, very small world. So once you go on basically two Facebook groups and, uh, and two websites, you reach most of the people interested in ultra cycling. So that's a, that's convenient. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it is a, it is a small community and easy to reach. Um, but there was definitely some, uh, let's say kind of scheduling conflict with the, uh, the Atlas mountain race, uh, because, you know, I was looking at both races and, and I thought, I thought I looked at it and I thought, yeah, Atlas mountain race, that's going to be a hundred percent off road. And, knowing you know nelson's past with uh with silk road everybody is going to be going to the atlas mountain race so i'm going to go to rwanda and have a nice easy time of it out there but you've managed to attract some really good racers <laughs> so i've gone from thinking this might be a nice little jaunt could do well to oh i'm racing the likes of josh and jason yeah um you know so you've done really well to attract some some very top level racers uh racers to the event um what do you think's attracted everybody to it? So actually, as part of the, the entry form, we asked this question to people. Why did you sign up? And maybe surprisingly, the, just the fact that it is in Rwanda is a big, big uh, attraction for a lot of people. A lot of people said, yeah, I really wanted to go about Rwanda. I heard about the country. I've never cycled in Africa. So just the fact that it is in Rwanda, it's a, it's a big element. So talking of people racing... What what do you guys reckon? So nine hundred fifty k, like sixteen thousand meters of elevation. What do you reckon the winner's time is going to be? <laughs> That's I don't know if we should be uh, giving out this sort of. Uh, we've only just come back from the recce, so I think we could give some honest guidance. But it might be unfair to give uh, exactly what time. What's that? Be. Two and a half days, Matt. Is that what you said? I don't know. Over to you, Simon. I mean, that's what I'm going to say. I, the, the, the unknown is the surface. And, well, there's, there's like three unknowns. There's the surface, there's the weather, and actually it's like how bad is the climbing going to be? Because, you know, if I look at similar distances and similar elevations per, uh, per 100K, you know, you look at like Corsica, it's probably similar to that. Corsica's 200K shorter and about 4,000 metres less climbing. So it's probably similar. And that was a winning time of 28 hours or 29 hours the first year that was run. So, but then it's really different. It, it's, there's a lot of gravel. It could be muddy. So I'm going to say, what, what time do we start, guys? We start on the, the Sunday morning, right? Sunday early, yes. Yeah, about 4.30. 4.30, right. Um, I am going to say, I'm going to put my neck out and say, the first person home be home by 1am on yeah, Tuesday actually morning. I can yeah I think that you're probably not far off there 
at taking a good guess at that. Given that we know absolutely nothing about the country and about about what the roads are like and everything, um, it, I, it will be really interesting to see what uh, strategy people take because, you know, riding through, and Robbie, you know this, you and I have ridden through the jungle in Taiwan. It's it's scary, it's intimidating, uh, and that can affect you. People will go in, people will not be as confident going into the night. Like normally you would say... 1,600 meters, 16,000 meters of climbing, 950K. This would be a straight through with maybe you might sleep for three hours once. But I don't think it's going to be like that. I don't know. What do you guys think? (laughs) Maybe you've incentivized people to finish. You said 1 a.m. on Tuesday morning, right? Yeah, that's what I've... uh, I I don't think I'm going to finish by 1 a.m. Tuesday morning. So maybe you've laid the challenge (laughs) down to try and finish on the Monday. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think... Yeah. Sunday four, yeah. I, mean, I suppose the other thing, the other thing is, it depends how uh, incentivized you are by the fear of snakes as well. Oh, because that will definitely keep you on your bike in the night. Yeah, that will keep me off the bike. Although the, I've, I, I have determined that the black mamba is, is, is a diurnal snake, so I might be okay riding through the night because they're not going to catch me. But then there are some nocturnal snakes that look pretty dangerous. So it's, uh, I'm going to bring like four floodlights on the front of my bike <laughs> so that I can, I can spot things half a mile away. What's going to be the price if I got some clear fishing wire and a fake snake that someone would tie that to the back of Neil's bike before he starts? We, we'll have to... I think we can arrange a private chat to figure out if we can, we can work something. <laughs> Robert, you heard what they said. People have still been entering late. It's not too late for you to come and join us. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So talking of you, you racing, Neil... So, let, mate, let's. What, what do you think your time's going to be? And um, kind of roughly out the field, where I'm not going to say where do you expect to be. Where do you hope to be? That's that's the question. <laughs> I'm going to win this thing. <laughs> no, I, I'm joking. Uh, looking at the people who are turning up, then who knows? Um, well, based on kind of previous history in the last year. Uh, Josh is going to find mud and get stuck. Uh, Jason's not going to take the right jersey and he's going to get cold and he's going to find a van to sleep in. I'm joking, Josh and Jason. I'm sure you'll be, you guys will be far ahead of me. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I look at it, I, I put my coach's hat on because I've got to sit down and talk to Omar this week and work on what, you know, we've got to look at his strategy, what he's going to do. And so I kind of look at this and start to think, right, what, what is achievable? Where have I, where, where does it make sense to ride straight through and where does it not make sense to ride through? Because if it doesn't make sense to ride straight through, then, you, then it's a bad decision to try and ride straight through. I, I learned that in Portugal because I rode straight through the first night and just suffered totally. And I would have been much better off sleeping for four hours. And I think this is one of those races where I'm going to be looking at two lots of sleep and then hopefully finishing sometime on Tuesday. That's 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 my goal. When on Tuesday is still up in the air, I think you know we'll need to look at whether I'm you know I'm going expecting muddy tracks. So I've gone for full on gravel tires, ready for mud. Nice, nice. So we'll see. But yeah, hopefully hopefully sometime Tuesday. But look, we've all kind of been in these situations before where we think, "Oh, I think this will be 2 days and it takes you 3 days." Or 
you think it'll take you four days and you threw it in less than two days. So, you know, it's really hard to call. After that, so guys, let's, Matt, Simon, just say you have a really successful brace, you're really happy with how everything goes, your winner finishes in 12 hours or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> um, are you going to do this again next year? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I mean, that's what we say now, maybe. <laughs> ask, ask us again in two weeks. But yeah, that's the plan for sure. Uh, definitely. Even more, I think we are looking into organizing within Rwanda just a one-day gravel event as well. We're looking into organizing a multi-day mountain bike event. So hopefully by 2021, there's there's much more happening here. So obviously that's uh, you're very passionate about Rwanda, but you love your cycling, the ultra stuff. What races take your kind of fancy? What races do you think actually, like Rwanda aside, I want to go there and do that? So um, for me, I've got a, a bit of an interesting, well, t- sort of two. Maybe I'll compete in the, the race that's more of a mountain bike one that uh, Simon mentioned in November. That's something more of a yeah. personal one to train for. Um, but in um, in August, there's a there's an event. It's quite low key, but there's an event in the from the lowest point to the highest point of Zimbabwe uh, called the Blue Cross. It's not massive, massive on the calendar. Uh, but we got a, f- yeah. a few friends out there, and I'm do- going to do it as more of an. Uh, it's f- it's 500k, so it's not super long. But I'm going to do it with my daughter, who's uh, who'll be one month shy of two. So I'm going to try and stick her in a trailer, and the two of us yeah. are going to going to bomb up the west. It's it's, like, it's on the mountain range up the coast, uh, up the border between Mozambique and Zimbabwe, and um, <laughs> hopefully just have our own little adventure. So for me, with the with the family in tow, taking two three weeks. Um, is a is a little bit difficult this year, but combining it with with my yeah with my daughter or my my wife is, is sort of the way forward. So, what is the lowest point in Zimbabwe, and what is the highest point? Oh, that's, a, that's a very good question to get the exact altitude or the above AMSL. And um, it's down in the south. Let me get it right. Southeast of the country, and it's in the mountains that are in the borders. And I think it's about two and a bit thousand meters difference. But obviously, during the race. You'll be up and down, up and down through all of the valleys in the mountain range. It's yeah, it's quite. It seems like a really cool event, and it's an area. Well, of the world you, um, Matt, I have to ask: so Have you ever seen that video that flies around Facebook that Danny McCaskill made called Daddy Daycare? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to ask. That would be yeah. That's that's hilarious. Go go easy. I'm trying to wonder how did, you know how did how did that conversation go with your other half. Yeah, I'm going to take our daughter and and we're going to cycle from the lowest point in Zimbabwe to the highest point, and I'm going to put her in a trailer. Yeah, she's she. I think with five nights solid sleep, uh, she'll be happy as Larry. <laughs> she's see, she's seeing the benefits. She's seeing the upside. <laughs> okay, then. I mean, Simon, I you know, and I know you and I have talked a little bit, so I I know where this this answer is coming from. You, but you know, tell us about your uh, ultra racing plans for 2020. Yes, yeah, you mentioned the. Uh... The big goal this year is at the Transcontinental, where uh, we will meet each other. Can I just give you one bit of advice? <laughs> take, uh, us, take us, take us, take us, take a spare gear hanger. Oh, brilliant. So, um, so are you excited about it, Simon? That's insane. Like Transcontinental is obviously one of the big ones. What do you um? How do you envision it going? What What are your plans? Do you want to do well in it? Do you just plan to finish it? What's What are your thoughts? If I do a race, I go all in. If I race, I race. So that's, that's just my mindset. Um, 
so yeah, I'm, I'm starting writing a training plan, looking for B races, looking for basically building my whole year now around that race, as most people do, I think, who are in there. The thing with it, like ultras though, is probably Neil, you'll be able to agree, now you're kind of had a couple of years in the circuit or whatever, you just find it just takes, it just takes all your time, your thoughts. Like I sat there yesterday watching TV, you know, dog run about, missus watching on TV, and I sat there on my phone looking at my first race, the race around Netherlands, where I was planning to stop for food and hotels that I could go to on the way, and then before you know it, half an hour later, you know, you think, God, I just was that doing that for about half an hour. Then it kind of takes over your mind a little bit, doesn't it? It's it. I think ultra racing is, you know, probably a full time job in a strange way, especially with all the training and stuff like that. So it's it's a lot of commitment that has to be made to it, definitely. I, I think even more so when you look at something like the Transcontinental, uh, because you know you have to do your own route planning. That you know, there's as the kit decisions are not easy on the TCR because of. You know, they'll always put in some nasty little parkour, which is gravel. And even though it's only 5% gravel in the whole race, you've got to maybe, you know, figure out how you're going to deal with that. And, there's, you know, there's loads of different ways of dealing with that. But, yeah, there's, there's, it feels like there's a lot more planning that goes into to a TCR. And, like, certainly I, I'm looking at this very differently to how I looked at it last year. Like last year, even though I was... I, I guess an experienced ultra racer when you do TCR you realize how little you actually know and so you know a lot of learning from that to take into this year but yeah it's it's pretty pretty all-consuming but it's amazing and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Simon and I will be talking a lot about TCR when we uh when I arrive in Kigali in uh what are we now Saturday in five days five five days I should be flying there Cool. Um, so, lads, obviously, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you're probably both pulling your hair out, making sure this race goes all OK. But before before we go, the final kind of question is, what tips after you've done the recon now, what tips are you going to give to the racers except from bringing a spare gear hanger? I think it's, uh, it's good to know when cycling in Rwanda that people are helpful. The level of English or French might be low. But if something goes wrong, people would try to help you. I think that's something that when I'm riding on my own in this country, I'm never worried something going wrong. Not having a spare tube or whatever. When I'm on my own on the roads here, I never worry because of that. And I think from my side, it would be um, quite often, especially when people don't speak the same language, is a fear if crowds get round you or groups get round you or you get approached by people wherever you are in the world. And... Just putting my my kind of, uh, if I put myself in the shoes of someone coming here for the first time, they might be feeling that uh, if I get surrounded by a bunch of people I don't know in a, in a village, in an area that's remote, I, it might be a bit of fear, a bit of uh, trepidation, but actually you shouldn't. If you stop at a shop, it's extremely safe. Leaving Simon and me during the wreck, you can leave your sort of bike, um, grab some stuff, obviously keep it in view. But don't worry that if people come around because they're just inquisitive. So it's a it's a, a real friendly, inquisitive nature rather than anything else that you would uh, feel threat. You should feel threatened for. So I'd just say, yeah, give a big smile and you'll definitely get a big smile in, in back, especially from the kids and from uh, people. Oh, in the community. Talking of places in Rwanda and things like that. 
What's um, resupply like in hotels? Is there quite a lot of uh, availability and places for hotels to stop and plenty of food to get? Do you feel as though there's 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 enough for people like as they go round? Yeah, so in the in the the hotels and the cities and the bigger towns, there's plenty. There's just you you'll be spoiled for choice in terms of resupplying on the essentials. Um, there's a couple of parts of the course that are, are, the villages are slightly more spread out, but we'll let the, the riders know. But apart from that, I think, Simon, when we were riding, it was every pretty much every 15 to 20K, you'll pass by some shops that you can resupply from. So, yeah, there's no, there's no shortage of, of, of things as you're, as you're riding. I think maybe the issue might be closing time. Um, things tend to, like shops tend to close quite early here. So people need yeah. to plan ahead when the night falls. Yeah, no worries. That's a, that's that's a really good bit of advice. I I was going to say I one thing I found was when it when it let's say take the UK, the states, places like that for example, you are constantly inundated with 24 places. Then you go to Corsica on a bank holiday and you're lucky to see water for a day. You know, it's it's awful, isn't it? So that that's really good news. That's a really good thing, I guess, like make sure stock up loads you know make sure you've got enough that you could go through the night if you had to then i guess and it won't be as bad as france because because that is the worst place in the world for resupply it is definitely the worst place in the world for resupply you know does actually does rwanda have a mcdonald's can i ask that no it does not really it doesn't oh that's a no there's a there's a if you're expecting a lot of fast food chains um well, don't expect a lot of fast food chains will stop. They just don't exist here. Um, no, you can expect local little shops that have uh, standard food. I'm expecting street food and things like that. So my plan is to eat as much of it in the first day as I can, get over any stomach bug quickly, and then I'll be golden. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so honestly, guys, um, I don't, like I said, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Me and Neil can't thank you enough for coming on today and it's been a really good insight. I can't wait to get on the old dot watching. I can't wait to hear Neil's stories and I can't wait to see how everyone gets on. So but by from you know, from the ultra cycling community, thank you for starting such a cool, interesting race and guys I can't wait to follow it and I can't wait to see how Neil does and I'm sure Neil well, I'm sure Neil you're excited about this as well mate. Yeah, I I am beyond excited. I I this is like this is probably more for me it's more out of my comfort zone than than Inca Divide was. It's more out of the comfort zone than TCR was. This is kind of up there with uh this is actually kind of beyond Taiwan in terms of somewhere that I've no idea what to expect. Um, but I'm really, really excited about it. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to meet you guys in Rwanda. I'm sure it's going to be an amazing race. Uh, I'm going to be doing my best to, uh, cell coverage permitting to bring as much of it as I can through, uh, through my YouTube channel. So for those of you who are listening, who haven't subscribed yet, there'll be a link in the show notes, subscribe to the channel. I'll try and get some time with, uh, with Simon and, and Matt before the race, uh, so that uh, you know we can get there inside track, and and I'll try and you know get time with as much of the races as we can as well. And and guys, thank you know thank you for coming on the show. Uh, cannot wait to meet you, and cannot wait to uh, to arrive in Rwanda. Fantastic, and thanks for having us on the show as well.
And if, if Neil doesn't get eaten by a snake, I might come along next year. I'm not racing with you, Robbie. I'm not doing it as a pair. You will. You'll, we'll find a race. You will find a race. We'll find a race soon that we'll do as a pair, mate. You, and honestly, Neil, I don't want to say it, but I'm not going to carry you, mate, yeah? I thought we'd agreed that. I thought we've we thought we've agreed the race. Anyway, we won't we won't we won't diverge down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah, thanks thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, it's been great to have you on the show, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. See you soon, and look forward to seeing the results. Yeah.